There was a lot to talk about this week. This is Quick Bits for the week of January 16th through the 20th. We talked a lot about the Idaho murder cases and Brian Koberger, but then on Thursday, Alec Baldwin was, well, not yet charged, but the DA indicated they will be charging him with involuntary manslaughter, and we talked a lot about that. And then the Alec Murdoch double homicide case is getting ready to start in South Carolina on Monday, and I covered that on the Emily Show podcast on Wednesday. So let's do the quick bits of all of that. I'm legal analyst Emily D. Baker. This is the quick bits, where I break down just the main points of the pop culture and entertainment cases I'm currently covering on YouTube and the Emily Show podcast. Let's get into it. On Tuesday, a lot of the live stream was about Brian Koberger's Pennsylvania attorney, the one that represented him just for the extradition, who has given so many interviews about his thoughts on how strong the unsealed affidavit was. And he said it was a strong circumstantial case that he thinks will get stronger on what Brian Koberger told him, which, yes, for me, still raises ethical questions. How is he telling us what his client said? Did his client waive attorney-client privilege? And talking about Brian Koberger's demeanor when he was arrested. And he's made different statements in different interviews now that I've seen so many of them. In some interviews, he said, oh, he was shocked by this arrest. And in some interviews, he said, oh, well, you know, he was he was not really that surprised. He was calm when he came in. And it was just very interesting seeing this attorney talk so much about the case. And then just to jump ahead in the week a little bit, because I know you're thinking at Emily, there's a new non-dissemination order in this case. Yes, there is. So on, um, on January 18th and then released on January 19th, the court issued a second non-dissemination order. So this has not been covered in my content yet, but we're going to look at it together real quick because I'm going to get asked, does this apply to the Pennsylvania attorney? Probably not. I'm sorry. I want it to, too, but it probably doesn't. This updated non-dissemination order from the court in Lataw County adds the attorney's for interested parties in the case. That means attorneys for victims' families. That means attorneys for witnesses or surviving roommates. But this still probably doesn't reach to Pennsylvania to stop that attorney from speaking, even though I think there's an argument that that attorney might be an agent of the defense attorney. It's harder to get there. I'm just surprised that that attorney has given so many interviews. Everyone listed in this order is prohibited from making extrajudicial statements, written or oral, concerning the case, except without additional comment, a quotation, or reference to the public record. I think the court is trying to shut down leaks. That is my opinion based on the reports that I've seen. And I've seen several reports that Brian Koberger was DMing people on Instagram, perhaps one of the victims, the, the content of those DMs, that they were repeated DMs. Well, that's information that might be had by law enforcement, could possibly be had by victim family members if they have gotten in to their deceased loved ones. Instagram accounts and it looked for those things, but those are things that are not in the public knowledge and are potentially leaks. And I think the court is trying to shut it down. And then, of course, later in the week, we have the search warrant 
unsealed. So the search warrant and the search warrant return for Brian Koberger's residence in Washington is unsealed. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Not too much later, Emily. It's the quick bits. On Tuesday, I also touched on the Logan Paul Crypto Zoo Coffeezilla of it all. For those of you on YouTube, you've probably seen videos about this and the fact that attorney Tom, who's a great content creator over on YouTube, is going to be taking Logan Paul and everybody involved with CryptoZoo to arbitration over those that invested in this crypto game and lost money. So we covered that, and then we touched on beauty brand Morphe, which is a part of Forma Brands, filing for bankruptcy, what we learned from those bankruptcy, which influencers are owed money, Jacqueline Hill, Jeffree Star, and James Charles, and how much money that's listed out in the in in that episode, which is timestamped. And then we learn that, of course, Jacqueline Hill Cosmetics is owned by Forma Brands at this point in time and has also filed for bankruptcy as part of this larger restructuring. The restructuring means that they can still go about business, but they can break contracts. I think their goal here is probably to try to get out of all of those mall leases where they had physical locations that were lots of them shut down during 2020, and it seems that they've not rebounded from that. So this will allow them to break those commercial leases and restructure their business into primarily, if not solely, an online business. On Wednesday's episode of The Emily Show, I cover what you need to know about the Murdoch murders. This case is getting ready to go to trial on Monday with jury selection. I will be covering it gavel to gavel for what we have live streamed. I strongly suspect that jury selection will not be recorded because the judge's order on this case said that jurors cannot be recorded. So I don't know how you stream Vaudier without recording the jurors. So I think we will see coverage of that case and court available for streaming in that case starting on Wednesday of next week. So if you are not subscribed to my long form channel, that's where that trial coverage is going to be at the Emily D. Baker you can go over there and watch trial coverage all day or day, all the time. That was probably cringy. It's fine. It's the quick bits. We're moving on. In that case, Alec Murdoch, who is a disgraced, and I keep saying Murdoch because that's how it's spelled, but it's Murdoch. That's how they pronounce it, is charged with killing his wife and son on their very large hunting property in South Carolina. The prosecution is alleging that there were substantial financial crimes. He has over a hundred charges and indictments at this point, millions of dollars stolen from clients. He's been disbarred. They're saying that the financial crimes culminated with murders. It is a complex cluster of a case and Really, there haven't been a lot of answers. Not a lot has been made public, but there are pretrial motions, motions in limine that are still ongoing. Will the prosecution be allowed to bring in evidence of the financial crimes to show motive for why these murders took place? You have to explain. The law does not require you to prove motive, but if you are charging a father with killing his wife and son, and this had been somebody who had been a pillar of the community, except now we know was stealing from their legal clients. But you know, you're going to have to explain to a jury why we got here. Like, how are we here? Because it is just so unthinkable. The prosecution is trying to block in their motions the defense from asking anything, mentioning anything, uttering the words polygraph with regard to Curtis Edward Smith, leading me to believe that Curtis Edward Smith will likely be testifying 
This is the individual who was hired by Alec Murdoch to shoot Alec Murdoch at the side of the road in the suicide for hire plot that didn't work because Alec Murdoch did not pass and the life insurance did not go to his surviving son. But apparently Curtis Edward Smith, according to motions, sat for a polygraph. The defense say he failed. The prosecution said that's not actual evidence. It's not coming in. And then the defense just filed, and this was not in my coverage, a new motion to attempt to prohibit the prosecution from bringing in their blood spatter expert. You have two individuals shot with higher velocity weapons at close range. You're going to need to talk about blood spatter, and there probably is going to be quite a lot of testimony about that um, at the trial. So we will see what happens when trial kicks off Wednesday, roughly. On Thursday, the plan was to talk about the Brian Koberger search warrant that had been unsealed, but then the Santa Fe, New Mexico district attorney indicated that they will be bringing involuntary manslaughter charges against Alec Baldwin and armorer on the Rust movie set, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed. This is, of course, coming out of the 2021 shooting death of Helena Hutchins on the movie set Rust. Rust was scheduled to resume production after a settlement between Alec Baldwin and Helena Hutchins' widower, but... These charges will be coming before the end of the month. Yes, the district attorney announced that charges were coming. Yes, they gave numerous interviews to numerous media outlets saying the charges are coming. No, Alec Baldwin at the time of this recording had not been charged yet. He will be charged with two counts of involuntary manslaughter. So will Hannah Gutierrez-Reed. Those are alternative theories. What that means is in New Mexico, the involuntary manslaughter statute, which means manslaughter where you're not intending to kill someone, that statute has two parts. One part, the unlawful part, and the other part, the lawful part. No, this is not unlawful law, Daryl Brooks, but the unlawful act part of involuntary manslaughter says that the manslaughter was committed in the commission of an unlawful act not amounting to the felony. And in an interview with CNN, the DA said that that act was the negligent use of a deadly weapon. The second part, or the second theory of that manslaughter charge is the lawful part, which is committing a lawful act or in the commission of a lawful act, filming a movie, which may produce death in an unlawful manner or without due caution or circumscription. The due caution or circumscription is a criminal negligence theory. That needs to be proved only on the second theory, the lawful act. For the unlawful act, you don't have to prove criminal negligence. Emily, what's criminal negligence? I'm so glad you asked. Criminal negligence is conduct that's reckless, wanton, or willful. So is, for Alec Baldwin, pointing a weapon at someone and pulling the trigger reckless? And yes, the district attorney in their interview said that they believe, based on all of the evidence, that Alec Baldwin did pull the trigger in the weapon. He has denied that in his public statements. But is pointing a weapon at someone and pulling a trigger going to be a reckless or wanton or willful act with Hannah Gutierrez-Reed is not adequately checking the bullets going to qualify as that act. And for this, the base charge, the underlying charge, whichever one they're convicted of, they can be convicted of both, but they can only be sentenced on one because these are alternate theories of the crime. And there might be a jury instruction in New Mexico that says they can only be convicted of one. The jury has to pick. It's either this one or that one. But if they are convicted, if this goes to trial, the base charge is punishable by 18 months in prison and up to a $5,000 fine. 
I've seen lots of news media reporting that if there is a weapon enhancement charged, which we don't know yet, we have not seen the charging document. When we do see the charging document, it will say which code section it's under. But I've seen news media reporting that there is a five-year weapon enhancement. What I have found from going through the laws in New Mexico is that for a first offense, it is a three-year sentencing enhancement, and then subsequent offenses are five years. So I believe at this point that this is a three-year enhancement plus the 18 months, but the DA made very clear that they are not seeking an arrest warrant in this case, which means the charges will be filed, a, a summons will be sent via mail to the either attorneys or the individuals, and then there will be an arraignment, and the DA said that might even happen by Zoom, and then this will be set for preliminary hearing, and it will continue on through the criminal process. But they are not seeking an arrest warrant, and the DA made clear in interviews today that they were not focused on jail time. They were focused on justice for Helena Hutchins. The DA also made clear in their press release that there will be no charges for the injury to director Joel Souza and that AD Dave Halls has already taken a plea deal. Halls's plea deal is to a charge of negligent use of a deadly weapon. Remember, that's the misdemeanor charge the DA indicated would be underlying that first theory of negligent hum, uh, of involuntary manslaughter. And the DA indicated that the plea deal is six months of probation with a suspended sentence. They did not indicate how long that suspended sentence was for. That would be some sort of a custodial sentence. But it's likely that Dave Halls has agreed to testify in exchange for this plea deal and that he's pleading so that there is no Fifth Amendment concern if he does want to testify or the DA is asking him to testify against Alec Baldwin and Hannah Gutierrez-Reed down the road. Finally, the search warrant for Brian Koberger's home was unsealed. In that affidavit, we also learn that there was a search warrant for his office. We have not seen an unsealed search warrant return. The search warrant return is the police telling the court, hey, you granted us this search warrant to go search this place or this person for this stuff, and this is the stuff that we took. So let's look real quick at what was taken from Brian Koberger's residence in Pullman, Washington, off of the WSU campus. One nitrite-type black glove, one Walmart receipt with one Dickies tag, two Marshalls receipts, a dust container from Bissell Power Force vacuum, eight possible hair strands, one fire TV stick with cord plug, one possible animal hair strand, um, four other individually indicated possible hair strands, a computer tower, one collection of a dark red spot collected without testing, two cuttings from an uncased pillow of reddish brown stain, larger stain tested, two top and bottom of mattress cover packaged separately, both labeled C, multiple stains, one tested. This search warrant was mostly for digital evidence and then for um, indicia of cleaning something up. And they wanted to see, searching the internet, what searches were for, were searches for how to clean up, were there searches about location of the home where these murders were committed, et cetera. So that's what they were looking for. Those are the items that they took. And I imagine that we'll hear more about this at preliminary hearing. And those are the quick bits for this week. I hope you're enjoying these. Let me know if they're helpful down below. For deep dives into the stories that I covered here, you can find them on my YouTube channel at The Emily D. Baker and The Emily Show Podcast. I stream every Tuesday and Thursday. The podcast goes live on Wednesdays. And if you want more Law Nerd community, come join us at lawnerdsunite.com. 